What is up? You are checking out the Uncensored Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Ant, and you are checking out our Attitude Era recap series. And I am joined by my guest host today. Introduce yourself, buddy. Uh, thank you, Anthony. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> my name is the infamous CDP. Uh, real name Cornelius Powell. Um, been a wrestling fan for about 20 something years. Happy to be here for this first episode. Just trying to see what the vibe is like. And, um, and I turn it back over to you. Yeah, thank you, P. So, yeah, so my dude, P, is going to be here. He was nine when this happened. So, I'm going to get to pick his brain a little bit throughout the show as we discuss this episode. And thank you all for checking us out. I really appreciate you taking the time to check out our attitude here recaps so this show is taking place of course it's monday night well raw is war it's like we're in 2022 but we're not folks we're actually on january 5th 1998 we're live in my hometown of new haven connecticut at the new haven coliseum it's cool to see my old stomping grounds on tv but we start off Raw's war with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's backstage and he proclaims that everyone else belongs to me. So he's pretty much coming after everybody. He has a target on his back at this year's Royal Rumble. But um, interesting thing about this um, segment, right? Yeah. Austin said. Austin said in the pager, like he said, um, he said everybody in the locker room has a pager. And as they say, like, um, 316 on it, they're in trouble. And that's when Austin started to say the famous, one of his famous lines, do unto others before others do unto him. Mm. So another interesting thing about this episode, that's a spoiler, and I don't mean spoiling anybody. Um, I'm pretty sure you remember the segment of Raw where, like, um, the Rock saw the pager, then he got stunned, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did not happen this episode. Uh, that's right. I think um, it did, didn't it? No, no, sir. No, sir. It did not. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, um, again, another spoiler. Sorry for everybody. Austin does advance the stun to Rock, but the Rock does not look at his pager like that legendary um, oh. segment that we all remember. The I Rock did not look at his pager, and then like he turned around and he got stunned by Austin. I think you know what? I think it might have already happened in our series. <laughs> really i think so i think because um i think it might have been in december of 1997 when it happened because i remember he had a title belt the intercontinental title and he threw it over uh into the uh i don't know if it was a lake or a harbor or wherever the hell they were and i think at one point i mean it or it could be it's either coming up or happened already, but it, it, you're right, dude. It did not happen in this episode, but that was a big moment. I remember Rock's like phase when it happened. Well, we are well, we are about two weeks from the Royal Rumble, um, and if I remember this, uh, if I remember this Royal Rumble correctly, the Rock and Stone Cold was the final two. Yes, they were. They were. So that I think that's why um, what was so good about this time was that storytelling lasted for months. Oh and God, yes. <laughs> so the in your house DX pay-per-view where it was the Rock versus Stone Cold, that wasn't the final outing between the two. 
as you'll see with our recap, it goes on for years and years. But speaking of The Rock, our first match takes place. We're seeing the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, taking on the leader of the nation of domination, Farouk. And P, I do want to ask you about this uh, if, for a shock out here to all those, if you don't mind me saying, P, you're African-American. And the Nation of Domination was a huge, huge group. Whether you were African-American, Hispanic, white, everyone knew who the Nation was. Very controversial group. For me, I enjoyed it no matter what. Uh, we are the Nation of Domination. A domination. Dun, 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 dun. Of course, man. How can you like not like love the Nation, though? Especially, you know, if you was like me, a young African-American kid, you seeing like people on TV. Um, I, um, I love the background. Like, me and Ant was like talking about how like I do appreciate that all are more minorities being world champions and stuff like that. But going on... <clears throat> Going on um, about the nation domination, of course, like there was a legendary group. What I don't like is what like people try to make every new like every new African American stable like oh they're the new nation. Like when yeah. the Hurt Business first came out, those like oh they're giving the first nation by. I said no, they're the Hurt Business. They yeah. are the nation of domination. Just like the new day is the new day, but let them do their own thing. You know that's like my own complaint about it. I think for me as a wrestling fan, and, and I think this would be something that I think you could speak on because you are African-American, so you live through stuff that maybe others haven't, as every other human has. I think a lot of wrestling fans, what they liked about the Nation of Domination, I think, was some of what they were talking about was the truth. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, when they're talking about, you know, Whitey and, and all of that stuff, that's all, you know, storyline that's none of these people really meant that, but in, in what they were representing sort of, and, you know, the similarities with them and the NAACP, I think a lot of people nowadays with wrestling, it's more cartoonish, I would say, I think, in my opinion, and I think people, what they like about the nation dominations, even though, and this is my question for you. Okay. There were people like who saw the nation as heels, you know, because they're, they're saying like black power, like, like fuck all these people. It's time for us. How did you view them at a young age? Were you thinking of that at the time? Were you, were you like, Oh, did they, they make sense? being an adult now how do you view them like what because the nation is very a lot of people are a controversial subject because a lot of people were the either like them and were like it's offensive it's great and then there are some people who are like it's offensive it's terrible so what did you where did you stand on that and as an adult today okay okay let me hit this down pan first before i answer this <laughs> all right so, I believe Chris Rock, uh, a few years ago on Comedy Specials, said the best. For Black people, America is like um, the uncle that paid for our college education, but molested us when we was a kid. <laughs> yep. uh, what I mean by that is like, um, uh, without, without, without sounding too controversial, yes, what the nation was speaking of was uh, controversial. And but 
like you said, were based off some real life issues. Like um, one of the inspirations of the nation was uh, the nation of Islam, which you know, uh, you know, particularly like the Malcolm X seventies era nation of Islam. Yep. So, um, once you like see all these like big black men coming out in all this militant gear, though, it's gonna make some people feel uncomfortable. But I will say this, um, and do you watch um? Has the ever watched Dark Side of the Rain? Yes, sir. Have you seen the New Jack episode? Yes, sir, I have. Oh my God, people, oh my God, they will start riots. If if like if Vincent Man ever lost his mind back in what 97 and 96 and actually signed New Jack <laughs> and they actually brought that gimmick what he was doing the smoking mouth. Oh my God. Yeah. Those, oh yeah. They will riot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. That was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I always find it interesting because I remember like the the thing is like they weren't doing anything wrong. I guess the storyline is reverse discrimination. I guess or in a way, but in actuality, it was more of just like power to the people. Like we're gonna protect ours, and (laughs) you all do, and you know we are just by any means necessary the nation of fucking domination you know now um but I, now, I do uh, can i add on to like my answer yeah. also yeah of course yeah. Um, now like um it's funny it's, it's, it's funny to say as we get into this match though the rock will somehow be involved right now when the rock took over the nation i kind of wonder what's the symbolism in a way though because like when the rock took over the nation they became like more cool instead of like instead of like, becoming that like, militant they became like I don't know. I don't want to use the word stereotype, but you know, the Godfather became a pimp. Uh, um, what else? The Godfather became a pimp. D'Lo became well. D'Lo's well. well, well D'Lo's a fucking amazing though. I don't care what nobody says though. D'Lo back in nineteen ninety eight was freaking amazing, dude. <laughs> um, but it's kind of wonder now. Like nine year old, nine year old me. I like, um, you know, I like the rock version of the nation, but at the same time, it's like growing up now with the glasses of hindsight and everything else. It's like, uh, was that like one of those things that like might have aged horribly when I became older? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely there. There are some moments that definitely one moment in this episode that aged horribly, but um, I do think it's interesting to look at the nation domination because. They're just a great stable, and whether or not you loved or hated them, they they made an impact, and they're very very influential. But let's get to the match. So again, Farouk taking on Ken Shamrock. The match starts off with Ken Shamrock suplexing Farouk into the ring. Farouk then nails a Samoan drop and tosses Ken Shamrock to the outside. The Rock then appears on stage. Farouk lands a shoulder tackle, but then Ken Shamrock hits a Hurricane Rana. Rock then goes to Kama Mustafa, whispers something in his ear. Kama then sets up a chair in the ring, and Farouk accidentally runs into it. And then Shamrock hits a belly-to-belly, applies the ankle lock, and Farouk taps out. After the match, Farouk yells at Kama, Stone Cold runs in, and then nails a stunner on both Ken Shamrock and The Rock. So a lot of stuff going on here. Let's talk about so yes, Pete, tell me what were your thoughts on the match and the, the situation of the nation as a whole? 
Farouk did an awesome reversal to Shamrock where I think Shamrock was trying to go for like head scissors or something. And then Farouk called him by his arm and his legs and he had him like stressed out across his back. I think he was going for like a white noise type of maneuver and he slammed him in the back. So I thought that was great. Um, I thought it was interesting how JR says Shamrock is a future WWE champion and oh, if only, right? Yeah, Farouk would have been a fucking dominant champion. And no, 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 sorry, no, so JR said that Shamrock was a future. Oh, you say Shamrock? I think you said Farouk because I'm just thinking of how fucking awesome Farouk is. I'm sorry, Ken oh, Shamrock. Um, my only thing Ken Shamrock is he didn't do anything on the mic. I do, oh, dude, it's funny that you say that because another spoiler for everybody, Ken Shamrock does a promo. Later on this match, so you can kind of see why Vince wouldn't put the belt on him. I can, I mean, I did. I don't know about you, but <laughs> it was like, kind of, it was like, it, it's not great. But I do, I do respect him as a wrestler and an athlete. Like he's a fucking tough motherfucker. And this, and this, you know, time frame for him too, he could have been a dominant Intercontinental Champion. But we'll talk about that potential um going on. But what do you think of the Rock and the Nation? Like, do you think there's there's Obviously, there's some crumbling happening here. Uh, what do you think of that miscue with the, with the um, steel chair? Well, I got to say, as an FYI for everybody, I will be speaking for everything with hindsight because I didn't start watching Raw until that episode with Tony Sabani. Well, Tony Sabani said that Mick Foley was going to win the WWE title. I was one of the 600 K people that changed from Nitro to Raw that night. So with hindsight, Speaking of everything else, you could tell like the main focus is the rock. You could tell like they're gonna try to make rock into a star or stuff like that. Matter of fact, with hindsight and everything else, once we said earlier, Rock and Austin was the final two, and they will wind up like main event in WrestleMania the next year. You know, it's kind of crazy how, like you said earlier, how how the storytelling was really, really was emphasized back then in the WWE back in those days. You know. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we get a commercial break. We come back. We're all sponsored by the Army. Uh, we then have Jim Cornette in the ring. And Cornette has brought the presence of the NWA with him. He also has the NWA title. He says that Jim Cornette says that NWA stands for tradition. And they will anoint a winner of the next contest as the NWA North American champion. So typical Jim Cornette, basically? <laughs> yeah, Jim Cornette just like... <laughs> <laughs> is, you either love him or hate him i think he's pretty funny just because he's dramatic and extra but um okay so the I'll, match is jeff Jarrett. we'll talk about that later <laughs> yeah jeff Jarrett taking on barry windham and not a lot going on here the match ends when Cornette hits barry windham with his racket allowing jeff Jarrett to get the victory and jeff is your new nwa north american champion after the match stone cold runs in and nails a stunner on Jeff Jarrett. So what are your thoughts on NWA right now? Oh, you know, Barry Barry Windham, Jeff Jarrett, the whole Jim Cornette NWA angle and uh, just win for Jarrett. Well, I got to say, like, um, everybody remembers like certain stunners, like, you know, The Rock, take a pick. (laughs) Um, Vince McMahon this year. (laughs) Uh, But this stunner, this stunner he did to Jeff Jarrett was often, often forgotten, along with another stunner that he did later on this evening. Because um, after when Austin came in and stunned Jarrett, though he did the strut, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that then, was a- <laughs> and then I remember that used to be on what Stone Cold's Titan Tron, or like they used it in highlight footage or something. But yeah, I think the, I think that stunner awfully gets forgetting about. Now I should say that um this was about as close as Jared was ever gonna get through working with Austin because rumor was backstage because of what um Jeff's dad um Jerry did when Austin was working for what was the USWA or something like that, that he stilled him out of pay or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think like later, I know well, yeah, I think it was later that Jared cut like that um promo after Austin became champion. And we'll talk about how Austin 316 was blasphemous, and that just like just shat the bed like any opportunity of Jeff Jarrett working with Austin. But what else, you know? Because yeah. like Jeff Jarrett is low-key great. <laughs> I don't care what nobody says Jeff Jarrett is low-key great. <laughs> Ain't I great? Um <laughs> And what did you think about NWA during this time? Did you care about them? Did, did, did you care about the group? I mean, it's a big caring right now in WWE at this point. I mean, I'm going to say this right now. The WWF Championship is just a bastard child at the NWA World Championship. Ooh, I have to say that right now. NWA fan. Okay, okay. But okay. you were probably um, excited when you saw this, when it happened. No, I can't say I was excited because... Um, you know, like the NWA was WWF property around this time. Right? Oh, yeah. So you knew it was going to be. Okay, I see. I see. I mean, and then just, and just, just think about it. Like, you had a title change and you had your brand new champion get stunt by your hottest star in the company. We all knew Vince McMahon was, we all knew Vince McMahon was not going to get the NWA the light of day. Well, with hindsight. Yeah, I think. Um... It was interesting for me because I don't remember this during this time. I remember the NWA titles, you know, being online, you know, being on the line and defended on Raw and stuff back in the day. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see them trying to redevelop NWA. Next, Sonny comes out. Yeah, very (laughs) exactly. Sonny comes out. She's dressed like a schoolgirl, and she is here to announce the next match, and we have the Truth Commission, which is Sniper and Recon with the Jackal taking on the DOA, the Disciples of Apocalypse. And the DOA sent Truth Commission into the railing and they nail a double big boot. Truth Commission take over and attack eight ball. Recon misses a flying splash. DOA ends up getting the win. And after the match, Kurgan attacks DOA and he applies a claw on one of the DOA members. What are your thoughts on the Truth Commission? Uh, the true commission is often controversial because um, I'm not mistaken, they're based up on the apartheid group in South Africa. Yeah. Which I don't know why Vince Russo or the writers thought that was a good idea. Maybe that's the reason why they decided to separate Kurgan later on down the year or something. I'm not sure. I didn't think much of this match really a bathroom break for me. Yeah. Sunny though. Sunny with hindsight. Yikes. Yeah, but I mean, I know, God forbid what's going on right now. I'd rather fucking stay far away. My God. <laughs> Poor Sonny's got to get a life change. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Not a lot going on here. DO, uh, DOA isn't that great either in my mind. Don Callis, though, or the Jack <laughs> is always. He was annoying. I love to hate him. He's annoying as fuck. I mean, he's still... He still is annoying now, like with the work we did with Kenny Omega at AEW. I mean, yeah. but still, Don Callis is still great. But um, 
it's kind of interesting because like somebody had the nerve to bring up the argument who was better, Paul Heyman or Don Callis. Never mind that uh, Cyrus the Virus worked for Paul Heyman in ECW, though. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Speaking of getting the fuck out of here, um, we got the, the Twix rewind from last week and we see the Undertaker helping Kane out. Remember last week, Kane was being attacked by many members of the roster and Undertaker helped out his brother. Next, yes, we see DX come out to the ring and Triple H says that Owen Hart has now become the hunted. Owen didn't have the goods to back up his words and Triple H had to supply the lumber, he says. Um, and he can see that his brother Bret Hart is watching and he challenges Owen Hart to a match. Owen Hart, oh, I'm sorry. You know what? This is where I'm all kinds of twisted. In this moment, I so in my notes, I wrote, I see my brother watching. And normally when I'm writing with the wrestlers say, I just put that. Owen Hart didn't say that. I said that because I see my brother watching in the audience as this is happening. I am sorry. <laughs> so Triple H challenges Owen Hart and then Owen Hart shows up on the Tiny Tron. And Owen says he wants to break Triple H's other leg because Owens has a black heart and black hearts feel no pain. And uh, that's it for that segment. What do you think of the rivalry in, with Triple H and Owen Hart in this moment? Man, you got to feel for Owen Hart around this moment, though, at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Like, um, especially with everything that happened a few months prior. And then, like, you know, Owen actually wanted to leave after uh, Montreal, but Vince wouldn't let him go because Vince knew what he had. Yeah. But um, speaking, when we were talking about Dark Side of the Ring earlier, um, that on our episode, they was like talking about how they was pitching like ideas on heart about, um, you know, working in the more adult oriented attitude era. But, you know, on being a family man and everything else, he didn't want to do all that. So, again, just hindsight, you're looking at it, you're looking at his eyes, and you can tell like he didn't like necessarily was excited to be there but still went out in the ring and put on some of the best matches of the night you got to feel for the dude sometimes yeah yeah it, it was it was definitely an interesting time because you know he knows the history with his brother and everything so but he oh, did and another thing oh another thing i'm thinking about like, here's one thing i don't understand like um now in modern day wwe would not even like mention aew or impact or nobody on yep. tv but i just thought it was interesting how like even both like on nitro and on raw they would like bring up like well like night well like nitro didn't do so much but then like raw they brought up bear heart all the time the holster the nacho man everybody it just yeah. i thought it was, that was crazy <laughs> no it's interesting to see the parallels between then and now and everything uh we are now coming back well we're not coming back. We are going to come back because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to enter the war zone and we are going to be talking about Savio Vega with Owen versus Owen Hart. He might have someone up his sleeve. We see Paul Bearer come out. The New Age Outlaws take on the Headbangers. And Shawn Michaels has some words for The Undertaker. So stay tuned. What is up? Yes, definitely check out anger.fm. It is the greatest place to create and distribute your podcast for free. Check out anger.fm. I want to thank you all for checking us out wherever you are listening to us. 
the Uncensored Pro Wrestling Podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Just search the Uncensored Pro Wrestling Podcast. Give us a five-star rating and keep on listening. Also, check us out on YouTube. Just type in the Uncensored Pro Wrestling Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and hit the notification bell. When you hit the notification bell, you'll get a little ding to your phone, and it will let you know when new content is published. YouTube is a great uh, source where we put out different videos and a lot of fun stuff. So definitely check us out wherever podcasts are available and on YouTube. So, P, let's jump right into the war zone. We now have Owen Hart taking on Savio Vega, who has Los Boricuas with him. During the match, during the match, DX come out on stage to watch. Savio nails a spinning heel kick, but Owen lands a cross body and gets a two count. The Boricuas attack Owen Hart outside the ring, but Owen is able to nail a spinning heel kick and apply the sharpshooter on Savio. He rolls up Savio and he gets the victory. After the match, Boricuas attack Owen Hart on stage. Triple H slaps Owen and then DX give Boricuas money. Clearly, payola. <laughs> pay payoff. Yes, sir. So, what did you think of the match and Boricuas attack after? Uh, well, I gotta let also let point out um one thing. The commentary changes from um, JR, Kevin Kelly, and Cole to JR and King during the war zone times. King during this match said um, uh, Jesus or Vega, somebody that put the put the word panic in the word Hispanic. And I guess back in 1998, that that type of stuff was cool. But back in but like I don't think the, um, I don't think that would like fly necessarily nowadays. Like on hard, yeah. On hard, great as usual. You know, that beautiful spinning back kick of his. I always love that move for some reason. I don't think I've never seen anybody throw a spinning back kick like Owen since. Yes, I agree. And it seems like there's going to be more stuff with DX and Owen Hart down the line in the next coming weeks. Up next, Paul Bear. Weakness nuts. Yes, sir. <laughs> Paul Bear comes down to the ring and he looks all messed up and dingy. He tells the Undertaker he hopes Shawn Michaels destroys him. Paul Bearer curses the ground the Undertaker walks on. He despises the air the Undertaker breathes, and he hates the Undertaker's guts. He says it's because of the Undertaker that he lost his cane. He's left me. Paul searched everywhere for Kane, and Paul Bearer says, Kane, I know you're watching me. I took care of you for all these years. Come home, Kane, please. So Paul Bearer is begging and pleading for Kane to come home. At this point, the fans are thinking that Kane and the Undertaker are together. What do you think of Paul Bearer's pleading? R.P. to Paul Moody, bro. <laughs> first of all. Like R.P. to Paul Moody, first of all. Um, yeah, yeah. Paul Moody, like from um, all accounts, what I hear was like a great, awesome person. And he just knew, like like Bobby Heenan, he just like one of those managers that knew how to work the business also, though, just one of those treasures that you truly miss. So I don't think it was really appreciated to you. It's like, well, gone. Yeah, for sure, 100%. 100%. All right, so, uh, so, all right, so you don't mind. Can I do the lead into the next match? 
Yeah. Well, actually, no, no. If I am mistaken, the camera cuts to the uh, locker room that Austin walks out, and then the headbangers are standing over Mark Henry. So you can like put two and two together there. Because um, I was about to say for the uh, for the next match, Kofi said the best. This is the best intro of all the wrestling. Marvelous Mark Merrill versus Tom Brandy, ladies and gentlemen. And take it away. <laughs> yeah, so well, you forgot who came out with Mark Merrill. Oh, and Sable. Mark Sable. Yep. Love how, how you're the only, I'm going to take a joke from King. You're the only guy who would look at and recognize Meryl first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Meryl sends Sable into Tom Brady and he attacks I'm Tom Brady. Oh my God. <laughs> into Tom Brandy. I wonder what how that match would have gone. Um, anyways. I know, right? <laughs> um, Brandy punches Mark Mayer on the corner and he has a flying bulldog and gets a two count. Brandy sends Mayer outside and he lands on Sable and then Brandy chops Mayer outside. Brandy checks on Sable outside and then Mayer has a double axe handle and sends Tom Brandy into the ring steps. He nails a TKO, but then Stone Cold Steve Austin runs in and nails a stunner on Marvelous Mark Mero. So... Sable, of course, getting involved in this match uh, seems like causing distraction to Mero, who's obviously jealous of Sable. What did you think of this situation in the storyline? If I remember correctly, the WWL was trying to um, push Tom Brandy um, like big. What, right? Uh, yeah, it seemed like a bit at first, but like he had like no charisma at all. No, he didn't. And if I'm mistaken, this storyline has been uh, well, as or not, they did. Um, I did a promo clip like um I know how like some storyline matches might end my end on raw instead of pay-per-views. Was I know like people nowadays might complain about like storylines in and on raw, but do not fear the WWE has been doing that for millennia. <laughs> anyway, um anyway, um yeah, they did uh, a little promo package about the storyline like with Brandy like sticking up for Sable and you know, like Mark Merrill, like continuing on. Ooh, yikes. Uh, I will talk to you about this uh, incident I got from Wrestling Observer later. Um, but what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like, um, I'm not sure how long the storyline has been going on, per se, since this is my first podcast with you. Um, Aunt Yanny, you know. It, yeah, it's, so it seems, so the storyline has been going on a little bit um, recently. He's been, you know, he made sable wear a reindeer costume during the christmas episode and she mm-hmm. that off one point he made her wear a potato sack tom brandy has recently been coming to her aid but obviously every time he tries he falls short to Miro. so it's been going on for a little bit but it's, it's kicking into high gear at this point uh, of course because yeah. i have to see what the next match is going to be <laughs> yes well, next up, we have Flash Funk taking on the artist formerly known as Goldust with Luna Vachon. And this is a moment that I know everybody watching, uh, when they were watching this uh, on TV, is going to be saying, uh, what was that all about? Goldust comes out uh, in blackface, and he's wearing an afro, and he has a stereo system with him. And there's no explanation as to what his character is supposed to be. Uh, 
there's no explanation. I mean, maybe he's supposed to be some kind of like with the way he's coming out and dancing and maybe like a soul. I'll let you cover this. What do you think of, of this gold us wearing all this? Well, let me just first say that Dustin, um, that uh, Dustin Reynolds or Dustin Rose has publicly apologized for even doing this segment. And I realized the man had to do his job and everything else. But yikes, try to put that on the USA Network nowadays. That will get raw canceled immediately. Yeah. I mean, it's also like unnecessary too. There is no point to it. So I feel like even even if there was like even with the whole DX when they did it, there wasn't really a point. Um, there's a storyline going into that one, but with this, there's no point to it. The match yeah, it was happened. Just a, yeah, ahead. it was just a throwaway match on like Raw that like didn't even like, have any storyline, and if I'm mistaken, it ended on a no contest. Yeah, well, here's yeah, so here's what happens. So the match starts. Flash Funk nails a cool kick. Luna pushes Flash off the top rope, which then causes a DQ win for Flash. After the match, Goldust lands a curtain call, and then Vader runs down and takes out Goldust, and Goldust retreats. So there really wasn't anything, just more lead up for Vader versus Goldust at Royal Rumble. All right, now, P, we just talked about the match. What do you think about um, the whole situation with Goldust and this costume? We Um, talked about how, you know, it didn't really do anything really necessarily you know, for anything, it was just a way to get Royal Rumble more. Um, over you know, a the match book for the Royal Rumble with Vader. Oh. But do you have anything else to add to that, or did you think that it was just sort of like from me that they did it like that? Hold on. Um, my whole thing about that, if they was like using that to hype up the Rumble. Um, they could have used literally anything else except a racist angle. They actually had to have. Um, Dusty Rose, who I need to let everybody know right now, he has publicly apologized for doing the segment. He said he was not comfortable with doing it. Mm-hmm. But but there was literally no other way that Vince Russo, uh, Bruce Prichard, whoever was writing the segment, they had no other idea to uh, hype up the Royal Rumble. And if I'm not mistaken, Goldust was uh, going through a period where he kept on dressing up in bizarre costumes. I have no idea why they thought this was a good idea. Yeah, and it didn't, like, it wasn't, and I understand, like, his character, like, he was going back and forth um, with, um, like, you know, with different characters and stuff like that. So I just don't understand. Um, it's, and then and then to add on, on top of it, um, I'm not exactly sure what was the gold dust angle around the time. I, I know at first he was doing this, and then he, you know, started to do the reborn Christian thing. Was yeah. wanted to be was wanted to be the return of gold dust anyway. So yeah, none of that did not make any sense at all. <laughs> it made no sense. It was just a way for Vince to get a laugh, and at that time it wasn't funny, and it's still not funny in my opinion. But nope. jump aboard. We are about to be in the war zone, and we come back. And uh, we have, wait, we're already in the war zone. We've been in the war zone. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we are. I think I, I need to go into the freaking main <laughs> event zone because I'm out of it right now, clearly. I have my papers like all out of order right now. Okay, we got a promo on Steve Blackman. 
Now we move on to our main event. We'll talk about Steve Blackman next week because he's actually involved. The WWE Tag Team Champions, the New Age Outlaws, defending, well, just taking on the Headbangers. This is a pretty quick match. Mosh misses, misses, Mosh misses a stage dive, and Billy rolls up Mosh for the win. After the match, Cactus Jack and Shane Shaw, Shane Shaw, Shane saw Charlie come down and clear the ring of the New Age Outlaws. What do you think of this rivalry with uh, Cactus and Chainsaw with the Outlaws so far? I mean, great, cool. My whole thing I didn't understand about this angle, how come Chainsaw Charlie couldn't be Terry Funk? <laughs> yeah. I'm, and then on top of everything else, they just had an NWA segment <laughs> earlier in this show. They were doing an NWA storyline. So you acknowledge the NWA exists. Why not, why not one of the um, greatest wrestlers from the NWA at why can't you just acknowledge him? It makes no sense, bro. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, also the thing too is I, his the gimmick was supposed to be like sort of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and really didn't do anything for him. Like after a couple of weeks, you'll see when, as we continue with our recaps that the gimmick sort of just drops and you're just like, okay, so you're right. They should have done some sort of NWA thing because it was a huge part of that promotion. Um but yeah, it's just sort of, you know, the old guys taking on the young bucks at this point. <laughs> uh, next, Fun we minute. see a promo from Don King, who is the big promoter of Iron Mike Tyson. Don King says WrestleMania Mike Tyson will join together. And he keeps talking about the two forces joining. And he's really selling this. And he's like, Mike Tyson will be at WrestleMania. He's making a big deal about this. When you watched this back in 98, did you know who Don King was and did you care? Oh, of course. Like, um, of course, like, you know, everybody in my family knew about, like, Mike Tyson and Don King. And by the time, like, Mike Tyson just got kicked out of the, um, had just got kicked out of boxing. And Don King, um, later news have reported about his shady dealings about how he did Mike kind of dirty. Uh, my whole thing about this, they were trying to hype up like around this time that Mike Tyson was going to wrestle there at the WWF. So when Don King going like, WrestleMania, Mike Tyson, you know, it's kind of a little bit of false advertising, but um, I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny to see Mike Tyson take a bump. Which I think he did like maybe about 10 or 20 years later when they did that angle with DS and Jericho. I'm not sure. <laughs> when they did, what was the angle that you said? Like um, about like ten to twenty years later, when um, uh, Mike Tyson came back when they were doing the guest. No, he was a. Oh he, yeah, he, he was doing like the he had the DX shirt. Yep, I remember yeah. that. Okay, <laughs> that so, was. I remember Mike Tyson for biting the dude's ear. I just remember they made a big deal about that, and uh, I didn't really. It, it's it's funny to look back at how many celebrities are involved now, compared to then, and how big of a deal they made Mike Tyson to be, which is a. Uh, sort of a, a reason why WWE tends to do. Like I mean, I mean, at the same time, he was like arguably the best boxer of the 90s until oh, he yeah. met, uh, until, you know, uh, you know, eventually he met Evander Holyfield. That's the story. <laughs> yeah, dude, he was awesome. Uh, Mike Tyson, and the way he talked and everything was, it was just perfect. Um, <laughs> we then get footage from Bad Blood when Kane attacked The Undertaker. Then the WWR last segment happens and our WWE hey. Hey, wait, and, and one thing about that segment, right? Yeah. Um, so about the segment where there was a showing footage of bad blood was happened in October. 
We yeah. are now in January. Like, uh, this is kind of shows like how much Vince will pimp out a segment as long as possible <laughs> because mm-hmm. they will be because they, they were hyping up the whole entire um, night about saying you're gonna see unseen. Um, Let's see, you'll see unseen footage of the uh of the hell the cell mass, and it's like you bought the pay-per-view, you saw all the blood, you saw the bumps, you saw everything. So it's like, what's the point? They're like, let's sell the shit out of this no matter what happens. I, I know, right? Let's whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, that was it, it, they did really oversell a lot of their product, but that's what they're gonna do, you know. Um so the WWE champion Heartbreak Hit Shawn Michaels comes down to the ring and he brags about being the Undertaker at Bad Blood. And Shawn Michaels says that the Royal Rumble HBK is gonna prove that Undertaker is a loser. And Shawn Michaels will walk out still the showstopper, still the icon of WWF. He wants to give us fans something extra tonight. He wants the Undertaker to face him like a man so he can smack the Undertaker around. That's when Druids bring out a casket and Shawn Michaels laughs, saying that Triple H and China are pranking him. He's like, knock it off, guys. And he thinks that they're the ones in the casket, but Triple H and China show up on stage and they're like, uh, we're not the ones in there, Shawn. Like, be careful. And Shawn looks at the casket. Undertaker opens the casket and attacks Shawn Michaels and the footage goes off the air. What did you think of this segment? This is a famous segment of him just opening the casket and scaring Shawn Michaels. What did you think? This has been repeated over and over and over again. Um, I just find it funny that the technical main event was Raw was the New Age Outlaws versus the Headbangers. <laughs> yeah. That's that. That's one thing. We've come so um, far. About the set- well, What was that? I said we've come so far, but I've got so far to go. I know, right? Um, Sadmuk itself wasn't like really like um, you know anything memorable because, like I said, I like I low key have forgot about the segment even after like I watched it like years later. Um, let's see, what was about to say one thing about Shawn Michaels. I don't want to like um put any accusation out there, but he looked a little out of it. Then and you know, you know, you heard the stories about like Shawn Michaels back in nineteen ninety eight and ninety nine. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course we know. Um, he probably was. He's probably like, yo, you know what? I'm gonna go home and get fucking lit tonight. And before the show, I'm also gonna let let get lit too. <laughs> During the show, I'm gonna get lit. Even like 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 even in the earlier segment, though, you could like um even like earlier saying you look at his eyes a little bit, it looked a little glazed. But again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Please, I don't need any lawsuits in my life. <laughs> I don't need any lawsuits. In my life. Things have been going good so far. I don't need anything else to happen. Exactly. And I believe that will be the end of the show. There was a dark match that happened also, if um, if anybody's interested. Let's see. It was, let's see. It was, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Captain Jack, Steve Austin, Terry Funk, and The Undertaker defeated the Nation of Domination, which was Dino Brown, Farouk, Kamala Mustafa, and The Rock. So, like, even so, even like then, you could tell that you know they were trying to mess Stone Cold and The Rock together. So, yeah, well, they had great chemistry. I think I feel like we've talked about this a little bit earlier how they they had fought in the past. Um, so I feel like why not? You know, they're great athletes. So. 
I definitely could see this is like you said the beginning of this. Uh, oh, um, excuse me, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I was absolutely mistaken. It's actually was Cactus Jack, Steve Austin, uh, Chainsaw Charlie, and the Undertaker defeating the Nation of Domination. <laughs> okay, so it was. I think your mind was probably trying to block it out. Yeah, um, low key. That makes sense. Well, it was a crazy night. Lots of happened. Before we go, what was your favorite part of the night? There was a lot of stuff that happened. I got to say, highlights of the night, I want to say I have a favorite of the night, per se. Well, I do have one, uh, the uh, the Jeff Jarrett stunner, because, you know, it, it became so memorable, especially oh after that Oh, my God, shit, you right? that shit like a fucking champ. Oh, oh, of course, though, just like how, like, I don't know, just the velocity of everything, how Jarrett just, like, you know, flopped to the ground. I, I, I would argue to say that's one of the best stunner sales ever. He definitely sold it, for sure. For me, my favorite moment, um, what did I like? I liked Austin just stunning everybody. He just like <laughs> came in, took names, said fuck everybody, and did we did. I also like seeing my dad and my brother. That was cool. Um, but <laughs> okay. all right, we are gonna wrap this up. We are gonna be back next week with our next recap. It is gonna be Raw is War from if I'm correct. I think it's January. Let me see on here. Thirteenth. January 12th, January 12th, Um, and stuff heats up there, and we will be back with that. Stay safe. Pete, thank you for joining us. He is going to be with us uh, with these recaps, and we are on the road to the Royal Rumble. Got one more Raw to go, and then we have the Royal Rumble, and then WrestleMania is coming up after No Way Out of Texas. A lot of stuff happening, so stay tuned. Stay safe, and we will talk to y'all soon. Bye. Peace.